Okay, well, thank you to the youth worship team. I appreciate you guys leading us these mornings. So, we are starting a new series called How to Quit Faking Your Faith and Become an Authentic Christian. And honestly, that picture kind of freaks me out a little bit. And I thought that I had a blank black screen between these two, so to like finish singing that song and like have that hit you is kind of a little much. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry about that. Um, But I'm not a graphic designer, and I just do what I can. But that's what we're working with. Okay, so um, today we are going to begin with a quick little game called... Go ahead and let's see what it's called. All right, give it another click. Real or... Again, there's really no limits to my creativity. Um, so let's go to the next, next one. So here we go. Real or fake? Okay, you guys know all about photoshopped images, all that kind of stuff. The boat floating in midair. All right. We have no consensus, so let's go ahead and click it. Just kidding. It seems like most people think it's, it is real. It is real. Obviously, that's the shadow on the ground underneath the water. Okay, next one. Here we go. The turtle that fetches. Oh. All right. Obviously, it's fake. Okay, so I threw a few softballs at you at the beginning. Let's see if we got a little something a little trickier. Oh. What do you think? Okay, let's see what it is. And it's actually fake. Okay. Next one. That's real? Okay, that one's actually real. Click it again, you'll see why. Uh, okay, here it is. All right, you see, she there it actually goes all the way. Yeah, okay. okay, next one. Sadly, it's fake, but how awesome would it be if it was real? (laughs) Okay, next one. I know, you're right. It's real. Okay, go. All right, I think we've got one or two more here. No, that's fake. And any more? It is real. Good job. <laughs> it's such a cute giant puppy. All right, I think that's all we got. Okay, good, good, good. So, while, you know, some photoshopped images are obviously fake, like our little pet turtle who fetches frisbees. <laughs> Some can be pretty convincing, can't they? Right? You can kind of remove all traces of the fakeness. It can look pretty real. Um, and the truth is the same thing can be true of people who call themselves Christians. All right? So there's a lot of Christians out there who call themselves Christians, 
um, but they really are not Christians, okay? So they may do Christian things, like they may come to church on Sunday mornings, they may love going to the youth camps, um, they may be part of a Christian family, so they've got family devotions, mom and dad are Christians, um, maybe the mom and dad are even kind of important people in the church, uh, maybe all the kids in the family have biblical names. I mean, that's like sure sign they're Christians, right? Joseph wouldn't know anything about that. Um, and maybe they talk like Christians, right? Um, they say things like, Lord, just bless so-and-so, which only Christians say that. Um, give grace to somebody. Um, God, would you just pour out your mercy on this person? Um, they talk a lot about fruit. You know, God, just give us more fruit. And people who aren't Christians are kind of like, what is it about fruit? You know, you need some veggies in there too, so I don't really understand. They talk about backsliders. Nobody knows what those are except Christians. Um, they distinguish between Christian and secular music. They, they, they ask God for traveling mercies. Mercies that travel. Someone named Mercy who travels a lot. I don't know, you know. Just, um, but the truth is, despite the fact that they may look like Christians, they may be part of Christian families, they may sound a lot like Christians, um, the truth is that they're not really Christians, okay? So how can you be and do all of these things and not be a Christian? All right, that's the question for today. Well, let me give you an analogy. I'm a Denver Broncos fan, which I say, you know, well, let me tell you a story a little bit later. But I've been a Denver Broncos fan my whole life. Listen, the Bears aren't even in the playoffs, so we don't, we don't even need to talk about the Bears, okay? They're all sitting at home watching the playoffs, just like everybody else. Pittsburgh is going to play the Broncos next week. Let's talk about it after the game, okay? It'll be fun. Anyways, I've watched almost every game since I was a kid. When I moved to Jerusalem, I had to find all sorts of ways in order to keep watching the games, even though they were on at like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning over there. Um, when I was a kid, we'd go out during halftime and play our own little football game and then run back inside and watch the Broncos. Um, this is how much of a Broncos fan I am. The last Super Bowl, I hate to bring this up, but it's, it's really a good analogy. The last Super Bowl the Broncos were in, um, I don't know if you know what it was. It, it did not go well for us. Um, but I spent months leading up to that Super Bowl trash-talking about how good the Broncos were, okay? And this is in Jerusalem. To a bunch of kids who don't even know what football is, really. They play soccer over there and basketball a lot. Um, and I had kids, you know, they would you know, be like on Wikipedia looking up the team we were going to play that week and being like, oh, Tom Brady's going to get you this week. And we're like, yeah, real cool. You don't even know who he is. Okay. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I talk up the Denver Broncos for weeks. I, I'm making bets with students, you know. I literally am betting kids. I'm making them sing, I'm a little teapot in front of the, the class when the Broncos win. One kid said, you have to give me an A on a test if the Broncos lose, this and that, you know. And, and so I'm making bets, things that teachers probably shouldn't do. Um, and the Broncos lose miserably. I think it was 55 to 10. I think that was the score. It was 43 to 8. Round it off, up, down. Listen, I'm describing my own humiliation. You don't need to humiliate me more in front of everybody. Um, so, you know, that happens. The game in Jerusalem takes place at 2 in the morning. So I've been up since 2 in the morning till 5 in the morning. And now it's time to go to school because it's Monday morning, right? So I'm exhausted. I'm devastated. And I know that it's going to be the worst day ever. <laughs> 
And so I walk to school, and from 8 in the morning until 4 o'clock at night, it is non-stop ridicule. I have <laughs> kindergartners. I have kindergartners walking up to me going, are you Mr. Nick? And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> the Broncos lost. <laughs> My brother told me to say that. <laughs> I, just, I, mean, I just got home that night, and Angel just looked at me, and she's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, that was rough. I didn't hit any kids, so, you know, that was a success, but, but it was rough. And so I love the Broncos. Just last week, you know, my dad, this is kind of a hereditary thing. For, for Christmas, my dad gets three DVDs. One's recapping the John Elway years. The other one's recapping the two Super Bowl wins. And the other one is a complete history of the Denver Broncos. And this is what we were watching over Christmas break, you know, with my dad. So let's say I meet someone and they're like, hey, I'm a Broncos fan too. And they're wearing a Broncos jersey and they say, yeah, my family's Broncos fans. You know, I grew up watching the Broncos games, you know, we're Bron and I'm like, yes, Bronco fan in Chicago. Let's talk to each other. I'm like, didn't you love the last game, how Peyton Manning came in, saved the game, we won, the Patriots lost, now we're the number one seed in the playoffs, isn't that amazing? And they say, oh yeah, I, I didn't catch the game last week. Um, did they, they made the playoffs? Oh, that's good, they made the playoffs this year. And who'd you say came in? Pey Peyton? Who's Peyton? Now, if they said that, I would look at them and say, you're not a true Broncos fan, wouldn't I, right? You, you don't know who the quarterback is. You don't know where in the playoffs, you know, you're not a Broncos fan. And while being a Christian and being a true Christian is way more important than being a true sports fan, the analogy, the point here is that you're not really a Christian just because you say you are or just because you look like you are, okay? There's more to being a Christian than just doing Christian-y sort of things, now, this can be kind of a sensitive topic, okay? It may seem harsh to suggest that people who call themselves Christians aren't really Christians, or to suggest that some people are fakers when it comes to something as sensitive as our faith or our religion. And perhaps, um, maybe even you feel a little bit threatened or attacked by the suggestion that uh, your faith might not really be real. And I think part of that is because we live in a world where being a faker isn't cool. Okay, we live in a world that tells us to embrace who we are. And we see this all over the place, especially when it comes to maybe the homosexual agenda, right? So now, where probably 20, 30 years ago, you, this whole idea of coming out of the closet was, was a thing that was, you're ashamed of, right? And now it's, it's almost paramount to being cool that you would come out of the closet, that you would be who you are. You're a homosexual, okay? Um, the reason people love Lady Gaga so much is because she's so authentic, and she is so weird in her authenticity, right? But she's authentic. She's being who she is. We tag our pictures on Facebook with a hashtag no filter, right? Hashtag no filter because we want to show, you know, we're authentic. This is the real deal. I didn't have to play with this to make it look this good. But while we're in a world that doesn't think being a faker is cool, we're also in a world that fakes everything. So it's kind of an oxymoron here. We, you know, we still take pictures to get the best angle of ourselves, and we still take 25 pictures before we post one onto Facebook, on our new, you know, on our Facebook update. Um, and we also touch them up here and there. All the models in the magazines, whether male models, um, female models, whether they're um, just the you know, movie actors and magazines, all of them are being touched up, okay? 
They're all being airbrushed. It's all graphically being altered. Um, all the commercials tell us that if we use this toothbrush or if we wear this shirt, then we're automatically going to look 10 years older and we're going to have bigger muscles and we're going to have better girlfriends and boyfriends. And I mean, talk about being fake, right? Like, who cares what toothbrush you use? But this is what we're constantly being told in our life is, you know, don't be a faker, but you kind of have to fake it to be cool like everybody else. So we're threatened by the suggestion that we're fake because it's not cool, but we're surrounded by fakers who are constantly being shown um, that faking your image is just what you have to do to get along in life. So when I suggest that people are faking their faith, I know that I can be kind of walking on some sensitive ground. Um, I have an analogy um, to explain it. I read it in a book, um, and the book is called Am I Really a Christian? It's a great book. Um, and it's this analogy of running a race, okay? So picture that you go out to run a big... How many of you guys have run a big race before, like a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, whatever it is, all right? You guys know the bumper stickers with like the 13.1? I do like the 0.0. I think that's funny. Um, but so you go out to run a race, and let's say, you, you know, you start running the race, and you see a lot of people out there running the race with you, and some of them are in really nice, you know, they got Under Armour, they've got Nike, they're wearing their running gear, they look good, but like, they're running the wrong way. Or they're just kind of like running in a circle around a tree. Alright? Or maybe, maybe they're like, just like this. You know, they're in the starting position, but they're not going anywhere. They haven't moved at all. Or maybe they're just sitting there on the end and chatting with each other. And, and as you're kind of jogging along, this is the number one of the weirdest race I've ever been a part of, and you start asking people, like, what are you doing? You're going, the rate, you're going this, and they're like, I know, the finish line, right? I can't wait to make it to the finish line. It's going to be great. I look forward to finishing. You know, but you're going the wrong way. You're just sitting here. You're not moving. What would be the loving thing to do in that situation as a runner? You start telling people the finish line's that way, right? Come on, run with me. Let's go. And so if you think about, you know, the Christian life as a race, it's something that we're running, and if you see people who say, yeah, I'm a runner, yeah, I'm a Christian, and yet they're in the starting blocks and not moving, they're going the wrong way, they're sitting on the sidelines, what would be the loving thing to do but to say, let me tell you what it really means to be a Christian. You're, you're not really a runner. You're not running the right way, or you're not really a Christian. You're not living the way a Christian is supposed to live. And so I know it may seem harsh to say, oh, you're faking your faith. But the goal of this series is to say, if someone's faking their faith, well, the most loving thing we can do is to point that out to them and to encourage them to start going in the right direction. So that's what we're, our goal is. So what does the Bible have to say about being fake Christians? Does it have anything to say? Well, let's look at the screen here. And if you have your Bible and you want to open to Matthew 7.21... We'll kind of get a picture here of what it looks like um, or what Jesus has to say about faking our faith. All right, so Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I, will nev I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, if you've heard this before, it might sound too familiar, but this should shock us. 
When we read this, this should make us take a step back because we look at who's being described in this passage. It's people who call Jesus Lord, Lord. Lord means master. So we're talking about Christians or people at least who call themselves Christians who say, Jesus is my master. And when we look at these people and what they've done, we see they would say, Jesus, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty, many mighty works in your name? So we have people who call themselves Christians, even have performed miracles in the name of Jesus. And yet Jesus says, of these people, he will say to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so what we see here is that there is a reality that there's people who might think they're Christians that really aren't, that won't be saved. Okay? Now let's look into the next passage, Matthew 25. So flip over um, some chapters if you've got your Bible open to Matthew 25. This one's a little bit longer, 25, starting in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. So what day are we talking about here? Son of Man coming... Judgment Day, right? We're looking at Judgment Day. So, before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For, here's why they're coming into heaven, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Let's go to the next slide. Then he will say to those on his left, so we're talking about the goats now, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So we're not mincing words, hell, we're talking about hell here. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we see that Jesus says there are people who call me Lord, who even do miracles that I will say aren't followers. There are people um, who will be separated into sheep and goats at the end of time. Okay, there's going to be two groups. And the thing that I want us to take away from these two passages is this. Our perception of ourselves is not always correct. The way that we see ourselves isn't always true. Have you ever had someone point out one of your flaws and you just thought they were crazy, that they would think that? Okay, maybe you think that you are a basketball phenom, and yet you can't make a layup, okay? In your mind, you're amazing, right? You're like, man, the hoop looks so close. I can just, just feel the follow-through. It's going in and, and lots of air balls, but you just, in your mind, you're really good. Or maybe you just feel like you're the Hulk. You spend some time in front of the mirror, you know, flex a few muscles, 
but you weigh 75 pounds and you're four feet tall, right? <laughs> Chances are you're not quite there yet, quite there yet. I'm not referring to anyone in particular, okay? Or maybe you think I'm going to be a great novelist someday, right? I'm the next J.K. Rowling, and I'm going to be rolling in it once I get my... Right? Once I get my book written, but you have a D in English class. You know, it just doesn't quite add up here. As humans, we always think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We always think we're a little bit better than we are. And Jesus is teaching us that it's no different when it comes to our spirituality. What Jesus is showing us is that we can very possibly think that we are a believer and not be one. The question, am I faking a faith, faking my faith? is a very serious one, and it's one that we really need to ask ourselves. And so you might ask, well, why now? Why bring it up now? Why, why tell us about this? Why is this a youth group topic for us to talk about? Okay, and that's a good question, so let's ask that question. The first reason is this. Those who have spent their entire lives in the church are some of the most susceptible to thinking that they are sheep, when in reality they are goats. Okay? And that applies to lots of us in this room. A lot of us have been in the church ever since day one. Okay? We're used to it. It's familiar. We just, it's just what we do. Another reason is because the middle school and high school years are when the temptation to fake who you are comes the strongest. Okay? Middle and high school years are some of the most challenging years and the most tempting years for you to try to fake who you are, to fit in, to be part of the crowd. And so that's why we want to talk about this, because we want to see, are we faking our faith? And another reason we're studying this now is because there is a common misperception of what it means to be a Christian. Okay, you've been to maybe a youth rally. Wheaton North had a uh, youth rally. We're having, West Chicago's had some. And these are evangelistic rallies. They're great, and we should do them. But sometimes the side effect of these rallies is we start to believe that being a Christian is all about making one decision. Just say you're a Christian, okay? Just pray these words after me, and bada-boom, you're a Christian. Just sign this card and turn it in, and you're a Christian. Just follow these steps, and presto, at the end of the story, case closed, you're a Christian, welcome to heaven. And the reality is... There's more to being a Christian than just signing the card and just praying one prayer. Okay, if you want to decide to follow Jesus, it's not a one-time decision, but it's a lifelong, everyday decision. And so that's why we're going to go on to talk about how to be an authentic Christian. Um, but it's important for us to see that, yeah, I may have prayed a prayer, I may have signed a card, but does that necessarily guarantee you that you're a Christian? The answer is no, it doesn't, all right? So what does it look like to fake your faith? I want to flesh out a little bit some ideas of what it may look like for someone to fake their faith. One way you may be tempted to fake your faith is to believe that you can be a Christian by association. All right? I know somebody, they're Korean, okay? And they went with a Wheaton College trip over to England. It's called Wheaton in England. And while they were there, there's all sorts of amazing places that you can go visit. There's the Shakespeare Theater. Um, there's Stonehenge. There's a lot of these like tourist sites you can go. And this person, probably not the best decision, decided that it would be cheaper to get into these sites by going and standing next to these large Asian tour groups. And because, sadly... Um, 
a lot of us in the Western world, when we see Asians, we think they all look the same. And so, yes, she just blended in with the group, and she just walked right into all these tourist events with the group. And she hadn't paid for them or anything like that. And a lot of us kind of think, that's what heaven's going to be like, right? Like, my mom and dad are Christians. I've gone to church. I hang out with Christians all the time. And so I'm just going to be a Christian by association, all right? And when it comes to Judgment Day, I'll just stand really close to those people who are Christians, and I'm, I'm sure I'll kind of make it in with the crowd. But let's ask, is that really how it works? Is that what Jesus died for? Think about that. Jesus died. Did he die so that we wouldn't really have to follow him so long as we hung out with people who do? Is that the purpose of his death? I don't think so. Another temptation might be to fake your faith until you grow up. Okay, maybe you've had this thought. Maybe you've thought, you know, when I grow up or when I move out or when I go to college, that's when I'll really kind of figure it out. I'll figure out what religion's all about, what my faith is all about. Now let's ask again, is that really a wise decision? First of all, are you guaranteed to live until the day you move out? Until the day you actually get to make this a decision? And you might want to ask, if there is a chance that God is worth following in the future, wouldn't it be far better to figure this out sooner and follow him now? I mean, if God really is real, if, if, if there really is a better life out there, wouldn't you want to figure that out sooner than later and not just kind of put it off until later? Or perhaps you feel like you've got it all figured out, okay? There might be some here who think, you know, I just really don't agree with Christianity and I, I disagree with what the church says a lot. I agree with what I kind of read on Facebook and what I see on the news and, and it seems like the church is kind of bigoted and opinioned and I think they're just behind the times. Okay, maybe you're in that camp and you think, but I don't really want to cause any waves. Mom and dad, you know, they're Christians. Friends at church, they're Christians. And I know that if I were to say anything that I'm really thinking, it would just create problems, right? Mom and dad would start crying, it'd be sad, you know, it'd be tough on everybody. So I'm just going to kind of keep it to myself. And, you know, when I'm older, I can get out, believe what I want to believe. But for now, I'll just kind of play the game and go along with it. I want you to ask yourself, is it really loving? You know, you might say, you know, I don't want to hurt mom and dad. But are you really loving people by hiding what you believe is true? If you really think that your family and your friends at youth group are believing a lie and you don't say anything, is that really a loving response towards them? A youth leader told me, kind of as I came in and I was asking questions of the youth leaders about this group, a youth leader told me that she talked to a student from Access after they graduated. And the student said after they graduated that they never really said what they believed in youth group because they knew that people wouldn't have been happy with what they thought. They didn't really say what they thought about homosexuality, what they thought about different issues that were going on in the world, because they knew didn't really agree with the church. And so let's ask, who's really benefiting from that stance? If one of us is wrong, wouldn't it be better to figure out who it is so that we can live life the right way? I would much rather, if I'm wrong, that you tell me that I'm wrong so that I can learn the right way than for you to just pretend like I'm right, knowing all along that I'm not. Or perhaps, and I'm guessing that maybe this is the biggest representation here today, you aren't necessarily faking your faith, but you're still trying to figure it out. 
parts of Christianity seem true, but other parts are kind of hard to understand or seem kind of silly or outdated compared to what the rest of the world thinks. My assumption is that most of you, if you are in this category, you don't feel like admitting it to me or other youth leaders. It's like math class when the teacher explains, let's say you're a middle schooler, the area of a trapezoid. That's kind of a tough one. Okay? Or a little older maybe explains an algebraic function for the first time. Or maybe you're learning the quadratic formula. And that's where my math knowledge ends, so I have no more analogies. And the teacher says, are there any questions? And you get absolute silence. And the reality is no one has a clue what he's talking about. Right? But nobody wants to say anything because they don't want to look like the guy who doesn't get it or the gal who doesn't get it. They don't want to be the only one who doesn't understand what's going on. Which is why I want to encourage you this morning by telling you that I am also in this category of figuring out my faith. Okay? It looks different to different people, but I certainly do not have it all figured out. There are times that something comes up on the news that a church has done or a pastor has responded a certain way, and I think, man, that is a head-scratcher. I do not understand how that works. Or I even come across passages in Scripture. And I think, God, is this really what you meant by this passage? This, this seems unloving. This seems harsh. Okay, so I'm very much with you in this page of figuring out my faith. And I guarantee that most of your youth leaders also feel this way, and I would even suggest that your parents are too. That, that no one really has it all figured out. And so the idea that we all need to walk around acting like we've all got it figured out is a false one, kind of like in math class. The idea that, oh, I'm sure that nobody's asking a question because everyone understands is a false one. And so I want to encourage you that you might figure out your faith here. Figure out your faith with us as a group. Could we do that? Could we commit to each other that we're actually going to say what we're thinking in our small groups? That if we have a really hard question, that we'll actually ask it. And maybe you're not comfortable doing that in a group, and I understand that. But would you actually talk to myself or talk to your small group leader? Or talk to your parents about what you're wrestling with? Our series is on becoming an authentic Christian. And authenticity begins with being who you are and saying what you think. And could we commit to not judging each other when we ask really hard questions? Don't be the person in the group who gasps when someone says, you know, how do we really know Jesus is God? Or how do we really know he did miracles? Or how do we know that he even existed? Okay? These are good, these are important questions. And those people who don't ask them usually don't ask them because they don't know the answer either. So maybe if this group could become a group where we ask hard questions and look for answers in the Bible and pray for each other that we'd find answers, we would actually start becoming authentic Christians. The truth is, if you don't ask these types of questions here, in youth group, in church, with your parents, if you don't figure out your faith here, you're going to do it somewhere else. We're always in a process of figuring out ourselves and figuring out our faith. Okay, so we're going to start figuring out our faith on Facebook. And you guys know that Facebook is just filled with people giving their opinions on all sorts of things, but a lot of it's on faith. And we're going to get articles that look like they are convincing articles on why the Bible is not true. 
Jesus never existed. Miracles are impossible. And if that's where we go to figure out our faith, we might end up somewhere different than if we figure it out here. Or you might figure out your faith in your cafeteria with your non-Christian friends. Or you might figure out your faith while you're watching the Glee, okay? Where sin is made to look so normal, even kind of sweet and nice and fun, maybe even something to long for. You're constantly in a process of figuring out your faith. And so I encourage you to do it here. So do us, do me, the honor of asking the hard questions so we can grow as a group in our faith. Because at the end of time, Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. And I want to be among the sheep, and I want you to be among the sheep also. Now, I know we're finishing up here. Um, I do have a quick video that I think I'm going to skip. But the video is from the end of Willy Wonka. You guys know how Willy Wonka comes to an end, and Charlie and his grandpa go into Willy Wonka, and they say, what about the lifetime of chocolate? And Willy Wonka says, you don't get any. They say, what do you mean you don't get any? We, we did the tour, we won, you know, we get the lifetime of chocolate. And he gets out the contract and he says, it's clear as day. And he says, in this part of the contract, it refers you to over here. And then he reads the sub footnote and he uses a magnifying glass to read the footnote. And half of it's in Latin and he's speaking Latin. And he says, clear as day, you broke the rules, you don't get the chocolate. And I want to end today by telling you, Jesus is not like Willy Wonka. Okay? You have to understand that in us talking about are you faking your faith and Jesus saying, you know, you're not welcome into heaven, he's not looking for a loophole to close the door of heaven on you. He's not using some small, obscure footnote to say, oh, you know, you acted like a Christian your whole life, but you did this one little thing you don't get in. Jesus is not mean-spirited. Okay, he's very clear that if you confess your sins and follow him, Heaven is accessible to you. It's open to you. And so next week, we look at our first of ten ways to make sure that we aren't faking our faith. And I want to encourage you as you go through this week to ask yourself, am I faking my faith? How am I faking my faith? And this Wednesday, I encourage you, start asking the hard questions. Even if it's not on topic, if you've got a question that you're really wrestling with, ask it. Let's start asking hard questions in our group so that we can be authentic Christians and not be among those who said, Lord, Lord, our whole lives, and at the end realize that we never were following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you will give us the proper understanding of who we are. Give us a proper self-perception. Help us to see us as you see us and to be real about our sin and our questions. I pray that you would give us the courage to ask hard questions and to wrestle with our faith, to do you the honor of wrestling through our faith, for surely it is important enough to wrestle with. And Father, would you help us to figure out our faith and to live as authentic Christians? Because that's what you came for. That's why Jesus came and died for us, so that we could authentically follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for coming, guys. See you on Wednesday.